Thank you, Dean. <laughs> Ooh, that was really good, wasn't it? All of that. How many felt like the Lord, uh, I feel uh, an anointing for evangelism through the whole worship time, the songs and uh, just what was shared. God really is going to release uh, the message of the, of the gospel uh, with power. You know, Paul, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul said, uh, <clears throat> my message was not in word only, but in, in the power, right? The power of the Holy Spirit when he, when he came to Thessalonica to preach the gospel. And so I believe the Lord really is, uh, wants to stir in our hearts to share the Lord. Um, but there's going to be some power on it that we haven't had in the past. Our words will have some, something from heaven on it. And we can begin to just release it. I mean, I just felt like, like Pete obviously has a really great anointing for evangelism when you're talking. It's just present there. And I just feel like it's just such an important time because I believe there's people out there in the world that are really hungry. But here's what they're not hungry for. They're not hungry for religion. Okay, I had this opportunity this week. This lady engaged me in this conversation and she asked me, like, what do you do for a living? I said, I don't never tell anybody what I do for a living. She said, why not? I said, because people judge me, and I don't like being judged. She said, oh, you're a minister, aren't you? <laughs> I said, actually, I am. How did you know? <laughs> but uh, she, then she said something about your religion. I said, well, honestly, I don't really think of it as re in the terms of religion, nor do I approach it in terms of religion. And she said, well, oh, really? That's interesting. Well, how do you think of it? And how do you approach it? I said, and more in terms of relationship. And that really struck that lady. And it wound up, I had this little great conversation with her. And I was telling her, I was mentioning some Bible verses to her in my conversation. And she says, I've never read the Bible. And I said, well, you should probably get, I said, there's these new Bibles out now that are more in the language of today that might help you uh, read the Bible if you're interested. And she said, I'd like to have one of those. She pulled out her, her, uh, her phone, pulled up her Amazon app, and she said, here, type that in. So I typed in the Passion Translation, and it popped up. And I said, that my wife has that one right there. Get one. She ordered it on the spot. Isn't that something? Now, that was the Holy Spirit because I wasn't trying to come up with no thoughts, you know what I'm saying, and just being normal and giving what we have. And there's people out there that want what you have. Some of them don't even know, know it yet, but when you start talking to them, it will waken them up. And I mean, you know, there's lots of ways of sharing the Lord with people. Um, so I don't really want to... You know, Paul said, this is what Paul said. You know, he said when he was in prison, there's people out there preaching the gospel to try to make me, to make me jealous, right? He said, I don't really care as long as the gospel's being preached. So uh, it doesn't really matter, truthfully, how you do it. Uh, but I really would tell you to be real with people. 
and don't be religious with them. Don't try to come up with some system. I remember one time I tried to do the four, uh, what was it, the four spiritual laws. I tried to do that, talking to a person. It was the most awkward conversation. They were looking at me like, they were like looking at me feeling sorry for me because I was doing so bad with it because it just wasn't me. But like with this person, I was just being me, being who I am and how... And, and she even asked me about, you know, what do you do when you talk? I said, I just try to tell people how I know the Lord, what God's told me. Just And, and that gives them an opportunity to decide for themselves how they can grow in that or they can take what I have. I said, but everybody has something from God. And so I want to encourage us really to really ask the Lord to really stir that up in us uh, and to bear to share with people how amazing uh, God is, that God is good, and, and God is full of love. That's what people desperately need to hear. They don't need to hear how bad they are. Everybody knows that, right? We already know we're bad. We've done bad things. Nobody needs to tell me. Nobody needs to tell me I've done bad things. Becky tells me. <laughs> okay? But Jesus is not talking to me about my bad things. He's talking about being free from my bad things. And how he has bore those bad things. So I think that will make a huge difference in the world. God is love. Let's ask the Lord for a moment. That was so sweet what she shared about Venezuela. And just praying for them. And, you know, I've watched, she showed me some videos of what they're doing now. They're incredible, you know. Uh, so, Father, we just thank you today. Thank you, Lord, that there is... There really is freedom in Christ. There really is life in Jesus. There's really something that's real that you want us to release out of us. And it's you, Lord. It's the life of God. It's the breath of God. And we ask you to anoint our mouths to be able to share with people who you are and what you're like, Lord. So people will know the truth and get free. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask you and I thank you for it, Lord. Stir it up in us, Lord. Stir the fire up. Amen. So, amen. Wow. Now I'm feeling a little little tipsy here. A little tipsy in the Lord. Don't y'all like that? A little tipsy in, in Jesus? <laughs> These men are not drunk as you suppose, but they're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible describes as being tipsy in the Lord. It's better than natural drink. The Lord is much better than uh, wine, women, and song, so to speak. All right. I'm going to read Hebrews 5, 9 through 14 uh, to you. Let me read it real quick and then tell you something. This is uh, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, no one really knows. There's lots of conjecture out there. But they do believe pretty sure that these particular people that they were addressing at the moment were, were Jewish congregation in Rome that were under severe persecution. And they were losing heart because they were being beat down pretty bad by, by the Roman government. Wow, don't you? Have you ever thought about this? That Jesus came into the world at the time he came in. He came when, when Rome was ruling the world. Rome was ruling Israel. And it wasn't that Israel was free. He, he came at a time 
where he had to deal with a government that was hostile to the Christianity, hostile to the message of the kingdom. That's important. That was the time that God chose. He could have, he could have chose any other time, but he chose that, and perhaps there's a message in that for us. Perhaps there's a revelation in that. I think the best way, the best thing that we could ever do when it comes to politics, when it comes to governments, is to look at what Jesus did. I think he gave an answer. This is how you live in a hostile world. This is how you live in a world that's in opposition to who you are. You hear what I'm telling you? This is really the answer for us. It was the answer for Jesus. It was the answer for the early, early church. And I believe it's the answer for, for us. That was not what I was going to talk about this morning, but I just was thinking about that recently. Are y'all good? That was my political speech for the day. Uh, truthfully, I think we get it all wrong. I think I've gotten it all wrong about politics. And the reason is, is, is I haven't gone back to, to the word of the Lord and look at what he, he said, look at how he acted, and let that be my, my plumb line. Let, let, let that be the way I, I, I live my life in this world. And I think that's going to be important for the church going forward. Uh, Y'all have gotten all serious on me, but I think it's going to be important for us going forward in the United States of America is to know how to live in a hostile environment. Because we've all, we were raised in a, an environment that wasn't necessarily hostile. They, we, were, we were at worst put up with, right? But now it's becoming where it could be a little bit more challenging. And for, for sure our children and grandchildren. So anyway, so that's the world these people were living in. Uh, and so this person who wrote this letter to them... Uh, it was giving them a lot of great things. And then he comes up. And the whole book is about, the whole book of Hebrews is about the superiority of Jesus. That's what the whole, the whole book is just about him, how superior he is to everything. Uh, Moses, the Old Testament laws, angels, prophets. You know, that was the whole point of the whole book. You know, it kind of wraps it up looking unto Jesus, Right? You know, he goes through this whole thing, but he also goes through a bunch of, you know, issues that they were facing and how to deal with those issues. It's a pretty, pretty profound book, really, if you pay attention when you, when you read it. If you're really paying attention to what's being said in it, lots of little, little nuggets in there that could help us. I'm spending a lot of time saying all this. I've got to get in gear here. It says, and, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain. He's talking about the, the, the high priest, the order of Christ, according to the order of Melchizedek. And it's a, you know, it's, a, it's a difficult topic. It's hard to explain. It's difficult because since you have become dull of hearing... And I think I mentioned a little bit last week that, that we can become dull. We all have the ability to hear. We all can hear the Lord. We all have that. Or you wouldn't be born again if you did, could not hear the Lord. That's how you got born again as you were here. And I'll give you that scripture in a minute. But, so we all have the ability to hear. But, there's, but life can cause our, hear, our hearing of the Lord to become dulled down over time. 
it's almost like you've heard, you know, you've heard too many things. You've heard too many voices or you've heard stuff that has caused your spiritual ears to palest in a sense. Right? And so we find ourselves that. And then so what, what this writer is saying is there's revelation available. There's something from God available to you. But because, you've, because you have become dulled down, you're not able to receive it. You're not really able to receive the benefits of everything that has been given to you in Christ. That you are wealthy beyond measure spiritually, but you can't access that because you've been dulled down. And that's how, sort of how the devil operates in our lives. Is, is most people, he don't get them into some kind of gross sin right off the top, Right? He wears them down little by little by little daily. And, and, and slowly but surely, we're, our, our relationship with the Lord begins to suffer. We begin to not connect with the Lord. We begin not to hear the Lord connect into the spiritual realm as we can. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so that's what he's saying. You, you've gotten dull. You've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Isn't that powerful? And so, you know, there's a great power in being able to discern good and evil because being able to discern has something to do with being able to make judgments, right? You have to make judgments in life to make decisions. And if you can't discern properly, if you're not connected properly, you are, it's gonna, you're going to not only be, have... Uh, Issues with your relationship with the Lord, it can cost you in your life. It can cost you financial. You can make wrong financial decisions, okay, because you're not able to discern. You're not connected. You are a babe. You are, you are not skilled in the word of righteousness. It can literally cost you money. It can cost you in your business. It can cost you with your children, raising children. It can cost you in your marriage. It can cost you. You can make decisions about your spiritual life, how you want it to be, what you want church to be for you, what you think God should be doing in your life. All those things. Things can, we can, it can cost us if we're not able. So there's a great power in discern, being able to discern good and evil. That's, that's this little, little piece here, what he was trying to get to these people, is, you know, dullness of hearing will lead you to not being able to discern properly, which will lead you into making bad decisions in life. I'm talking everyday life. Is anybody in this room listening to me? If you're a financial person today that invests money, you would probably like to know about this, right? If you were a young man or a young woman looking to have a relationship with a young woman or a young man, you would probably like to know, I don't need to get involved with somebody, okay, that down the road, they're going to turn bad on me. I need to be able to discern if this person is the right person I should continue with, Oh, I don't want to get involved in a church that has hidden legalism in it. 
I need to be able to discern that. I need to know that. See, there's all these practical decisions that this will do, that dullness of hearing will, uh, will, will knock you out of being able to, to make these good decisions. This is, the Bible's a very practical book. Even though it's very spiritual, the spirituality affects our practicalness. So, uh, you know, like I, I think I mentioned, like there's many causes, but I love this. Have you ever heard this, this phrase, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? You ever heard that? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. In other words, if you have health problems, if you would have just known that what you was doing was going to cause those health problems, you would have not done those things. Then once you had them, you had to keep going to the doctor and paying a bunch of money. You hear what I'm saying? So that ounce of prevention is much greater. So what this writer here, he's not necessarily addressing why they're dull of hearing. He's just saying you're dull of hearing, and here is the reason. Here's the reason you're dull of hearing. If you'll do this one thing, you can keep yourself, your spiritual ears open. You can keep yourself open to God, hearing from God. I mean, that's what's amazing to him. And, and, and he says this. This is what he says. You, you only have a spiritual diet of milk. And because that is the only diet you have, your ears are dull. It has dulled you because what is milk? Milk is something somebody else has put in their mouth and ate, right, and digested. And then it comes out the mother's milk. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? So he's, and, and he described it as you don't have any, any uh, let me, I'm going to get down here to where it's at. You're of unskilled in the word of righteousness. You don't have any personal skill Listen, in the Word, the Logos, the written Bible, you, you lack skill. So all you get is from other people. You get what they've received. You get their revelation, okay? But because you don't do anything else with it, because you don't have a life in the Word of the Lord, that's what he's saying, y'all. He's saying because you don't have that, then you have become dull of hearing. That's exactly what it says there. There's no way around it. I've read every translation that is seeing if there's some secret in the language that may... It's really saying that. And so that's the ounce of prevention. That's the one thing that everybody in this room can do is get a life in the Word. And as we get that life in the Word... Now, that doesn't eliminate... You know, and preachers and teachers and counselors, all that, they work in tandem. You know, the beautiful thing about the word of the Lord is this. And I was actually telling that to this person I witnessed to because one of the things she said was asking me how my ministry changed since the pandemic. And I said, well, I can't go anywhere. She, oh, you went places in different countries. And what did you do? You know, and uh, I was telling her what I did, and I said, one of the beautiful things, and she said, what well, did they receive? I said, they loved it. People in other countries love us when we come there and talk. Okay, just like we love when other people from other countries come here. Why? I said, because people from every nation, and every, we all have a culture, right? We grew up in the culture of the United States. That affects how we know God. It really does. 
You can say it doesn't all day long, but you're, you're crazy if you don't. God designed it that way. But you can talk to an Argentine, okay? They have a little bit of a different angle on God. They see God a little different. So that's why we love it when they come and share what they have. Because they're describing God in a way, they're relating to God in a way that we, we wouldn't necessarily be able to. And it only enriches us. Are you following me? And this, I don't know what my point was there. <laughs> I'm just saying there's this beauty when people can really have a life in the Word themselves. That they have something to give others. And, you know, and, and you, wherever you go, you can give. I mean, I had something to give that woman. I, I had something to give her. Okay? Because I had I'd received something. I didn't necessarily, I didn't receive it from everybody else. I received it from, from me plus all the other people who've spoken into my life all these years. All the other people who've taught me. All the other people who've given me revelation. You know, it all comes into you and it works together. And that's what, what, how God meant for it to be. And so here's one of the things about your, uh, are y'all following me so far? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, to, I have a, some points here, okay? I'm going to read this very well-known verse here. Everybody knows it. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So let me just tell you this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word. I always thought that said, uh, faith comes by the Word, Right? That's what you think, right? It doesn't say that, actually, though. It says, faith comes by hearing. So if your ears, listen, if you are dull in hearing, your faith is to be hindered. That's exactly what that's saying. You put that together in Hebrew. When our ears get dulled, our faith gets dulled. Our faith is not able really to flow as it's meant to. Are you all following that? Faith comes by hearing. 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 Everybody say hearing. Hearing comes by the word of the Lord. The way we learn to hear. See, that's why I said if you're saved, you can hear God. Because God spoke to you and you heard him and it put faith in your heart. Right? And that's how you got saved. You got saved because you heard God. And by faith you accepted what he said and received what he said. Okay, and that's what it's saying, but that's how our entire Christian life is meant to work. That's how we're meant to flow in faith. We're all, you know, you don't have to try to work faith up, okay? But if you're dull of hearing, your faith is not going to flow. It's not going to be, it's not going to work well. It's going to be hindered. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. It's just your faith is hindered. But here's a really interesting thing about it. That word for word, word of God, is not the same word that the Hebrews write the word of righteousness. The word of righteousness was the Logos, which is the Bible, just in case people don't know. There's a couple words in the Bible, in the New Testament, that when you see W-O-R-D, it could be W-O-R-D Rhema, which is the spoken word, or W-O-R-D Logos, which is the written word. Y'all, just in case people didn't know that, I know most people know that. It's an important distinction. Okay, because the rhema word, faith comes by hearing the spoken word, the rhema word. That's why there's people who can read the Bible and study the Bible that don't know the Lord, who've never been saved. There are literally people out there who do that. 
go to Israel or go to New York in the Orthodox community. They could probably run rings around us on the Old Testament about what they know, their understanding of, but they don't know, they don't, the whole, and the whole Old Testament's pointing to Jesus, you know? But they don't see that because they've never, even though they have, they, even though they have skill in the, in the uh, Logos, but they have no skill in the spoken word of God. Does that make sense, y'all? Are y'all getting this? This is what Jesus said. I'm going to read this one too. These are scriptures that I love. I'm just telling you stuff I love here. Jesus is talking to the devil. Uh, you know, hey, if you're hungry, command these stones to turn to bread. You know, that's what the devil told Jesus. But Jesus answered and said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema. Every rhema that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every rhema that comes out of, every word that comes out of God. And Jesus was quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8 when Moses was talking to the children of Israel, okay? And he was recounting all the difficulties that they went through. How everything, that, how God allowed them to be tested, all the trials, all the testing. And that's what he was quoting from. And he said, y'all didn't, he, he, he was, Moses was saying to them, you didn't live on the manna. You, you lived on the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord, the spoken word of God is what got you through to this place. It's what gave you life. You know? Yeah. Are you following me this morning? And so we have to have this, this thing in our life where we have we have uh, the, the written word of God, which gives the Holy Spirit something to work with. That's what it does. It gives the Spirit of God who speaks the word of God, who where the Bible says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 2, I think, that the Holy Spirit goes in and gets the things of God and releases them to us. And so the written word gives the Holy Spirit something to work with, and it gives the Holy Spirit something to work with in us when we need to speak the word of the Lord, that he brings it to us and quickens it to us. Are y'all following this? See, this is really vital for, for us not to be dulled down in hearing. Let me read one more favorite verse. Uh, this is really, really a, an amazing verse. I think about it all the time uh, because I feel so uh, need, needful of it. It's Mark 12, 24. Jesus talking to the Sadducees, most people know this, you know, who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And he, you know, they gave him this little thing about some brother. I think I've shared this so many times with y'all, but just in case, there might be somebody hearing this that's never heard it before. Uh, and they were talking to Jesus about a guy who had a wife and she died and seven brothers wound up why you know that was part of the hebrew culture at that time if your brother's wife died you had to go be her husband that could work out really great right i mean it, or it could work out really bad y'all didn't get that it could work out really good wow she's beautiful i wish i'd have married her oh my brother died praise god oh she's terrible she's mean please don't die <laughs> Stay alive. In fact, if I think you're dying, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to marry her. I'm just joking, y'all. <laughs> y'all listen up here. Anyways, they went through this deal, and Jesus said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know what the Scriptures nor the power of God? 
You hear that? You don't know either. You don't have a life in the Word of God, the Scriptures, nor do you know the, know the power of God. And then in verse 27, he said, you're therefore greatly mistaken. Boy, that really, I mean, it's like he emphasized that you're greatly mistaken. And see, we will never really, we will, we will live mistakenly. We will make mistakes constantly. Our life will be one bad choice right after the other unless we have this life in the Word of God and the power of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God expects us to delve into His power. He expects us to be people of His power. Okay? God really wants to demonstrate His power in the earth. Now, here's the key about the thing. One of the things that I believe about the power of God is it's, you know, people can abuse the power of God. And so we should be really asking God for a love for the Scriptures. We should ask Him, Lord, give me a love for the Scripture. I don't, I don't have to understand it, Lord. I don't have to understand it. You have to be willing to say, I don't have to understand what it's saying. Just give me a love for it. I'll be fine if you give me a love for it because my understanding will catch up with my love. Right? And so we'll give it. But we also need to do the same thing with the power of God. We need to seek God for his power. We need to say, Lord, I need your power. The Bible says Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power and went about doing good, destroying the works of the devil. That's how Jesus operated. And he was the word. But he had this anointing on him. He had this authority on him. And we really need to be asking the Lord, Lord, we need more anointing. We need more authority. We need more power. We need more of your love of the Scriptures. You know, but if, if we abuse the power of God, if we do it for self, okay, that's, that's the thing. It can't be for us. It can't, we can't want to be people of power because we feel like we want to have power, that it's for us, it's for self, it's for our life, it's for my situation. If we're doing that, then we're going to be likely, remember when Jesus said to these people, you know, when the kingdom comes finally, uh, Lord, Lord, we did many miracles in your name. We cast out demons in your name. These were people who had the power working. And he said, I didn't know you. I never knew you. Because there was this thing in them that I suspect is their whole issue about the power of God was for them. To lift them up. To build their world up. To build them up. To make them something. Does that make sense? And see, what God wants us to do to see that if he gives you an anointing, if he gives you authority, if he gives you power, that it's not just for you. You, you can enjoy the benefits of it. You can be mightily touched by it. But if, if it's not for others, right, then we've missed the, missed the whole point. We've missed the whole point. It's like the favor of God. God gives us favor not for us but for others. You know, Jesus, this is what Jesus did the last night on the earth before he was crucified. And it says something like this in verse 3 of John 13. He knew who he was. He knew that he had all authority. In other words, he knew I'm the most powerful being there is. I have everything. There's nothing greater than me. He knew all that. He knew who he was. He knew how powerful he was. And guess what he did? 
He washed his disciples' feet. Now, that's the example of Jesus. He, he bent down and washed them. When he got up, he said, I did this to show you something. I did this to show you that this is what this is all about. It's not about being great. It's not about being special. It's not about building your world up. It's about washing other people's feet. And I believe when the church begins to really get a revelation of that and begin to flow in that and begin to see that God really does want to give us power. He wants to anoint us. He wants to put authority on us. When we speak, there's, a, there's authority. There's, that, you know, something's going to happen because there's weight on these words. But the reason is because there's this heart in us that it's not about us. It's about, about the kingdom. It's about the people of God out there and the people of God that God wants to serve and God wants to love. I think sometimes, hey, you know what? I just love the... I, there's, there's nothing wrong with enjoying when, when you see God does stuff, right? It, like a, spectacle is not a good word. But, you know, if somebody gets healed or somebody gets... And you get all excited about it and, and enjoying it. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we should be excited about it. We should. But at some point, God wants to take that thing and make it so much bigger than something that excites us and makes us happy. Are y'all good? Y'all are sort of looking at me frownly and, you know, sleepily. And maybe I'm just talking to myself. I'm just talking in my little world. I'm about done, y'all. I did want to self-promotion. Okay, is your anointed about self-promotion? Is your ministry about self Is it about money? It, seriously, is it about people can... I, I was telling Becky, I, I've always told people, uh, don't go into the ministry if you want to make a lot of money. But you know what? I've discovered something. There are people in the ministry making mega bucks. I've, I didn't know that. I, it's only been in the last year or so I've come to reality. There's people making lots of money in the ministry, making more money than highly skilled doctors, making more money than highly skilled engineers. This is what I was telling you. You want to make a lot of money? Go be an engineer and be real good. Solve problems. People will pay you a lot of money to solve problems. Now, I'm, there's nothing wrong with making money and doing your ministry. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying... If what you're doing is for money, and that's the only reason you're doing it, there's something wrong with that, y'all. Let's just get real here. There's something wrong if everything you do, you have to be paid to do it. Okay, when it in terms of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm just telling you that I know in today's culture things different, but I'm gonna tell you that is not biblical. And so what will happen, if you really have a real call in your life, you are going to sell out your calling for money or for, for promotion or whatever you're doing it for. I feel like I'm just getting out here on the edge about this. I mean, don't misunderstand me. You know, I believe people, the, the, what does the Bible say? The labor is worthy of its hire. Right? It says that. So you can't just throw that out the window. Yes. I'm talking about your heart and what's in it. You know, and I still think this, because that's the way it is. It ain't a good way to get rich. You know, it's really not. Ministry's not a good way to get rich. It's, it's, I don't think it's supposed to be that. I'm talking about rich with money, cash, not the riches of heaven. 
okay, I can see everybody's really loving those thoughts. You know? So let me just read this last thing here, and then I'm going to stop. Maybe I should just stop now. 5.14. I wanted, this is the one. I wanted to tell you this about. It says, solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. Okay? So, senses, if what that means, it, it's, uh, here's the definition of it. Some of these definitions are crazy, man, when you read them. Like, well, that makes no sense. I should have just looked at senses and forgotten how they defined it. You ever read some biblical definition of something and thought that was the stupidest thing in the world? I hate a definition that uses the word that you're trying to define. Have you ever noticed that? Like, what an idiot did that? I'm looking for a definition of census, and they put one of the definitions in their census. Duh. We're asking for a little more than just the word. But they call it an organ of perception. That is judgment. Okay? An organ of perception. That is judgment. That's what the senses are. That's, so this writer was saying, you've got to exercise your judgment. You've got to begin to learn how to make judgments between good and evil. You've you got to use it. And the other word here that I thought was really fascinating uh, was the word use. Uh, this is crazy, y'all. Y'all want to hear something really crazy? Y'all want to hear something just outlandish. Use means this, to practice naked. It literally means to practice naked. Okay, that is to train, exercise. So, so here's the background on that. The Olympics began back in the era of Rome, back in when this stuff was written, where the athletes actually competed naked. Can you believe that? In fact, they wouldn't let a married woman go to the Olympics because they was afraid that she might see some guy that she liked better than her husband. So she can't, but they would let single women go. But this is the reason. This is, this is the literal reason. They, weren't, I'm not, they didn't have women competing at first. It was just guys. Because if they'd have had women, they couldn't have stopped every man. The men would have run, married men. You know, so they would have destroyed the place getting in there. Right, men? I know you're all spiritual, but... <laughs> Let me read this. This is true. The athletes competed naked as a tribute to the Greek god Zeus. They wanted to show Zeus their physical power and muscular physique. Showing off their bodies also helped intimidate other competitors. None. Keep your mind clean. Just keep it clean. So... I was reading that and thinking about, well, that's just crazy, man. Why did they use that word there? That's just crazy. Because this is what it's going to take, though. It is going to take you and I. It's literally, if we're going to really move in the gifts of the Spirit, it takes, it takes, well, it takes transparency. It takes vulnerability. Okay? It takes stripping off all your facades. That's really what all that says. If you're going to really move in this thing, if you're going to really learn how to flow in the Spirit, if you're going to really learn how to discern what the Holy Spirit's saying and doing on a greater level than you ever have, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to be willing to be intimidated. You're going to have to be willing to be open. Okay? 
And you're going to really have to be willing to step in and do things and, or say things and realizing that you could absolutely fail and be humiliated in front of people, but not in front of God because God would be applauding if you failed. He would be applauding because you were willing not to let the world and what the world thinks and all the lies and all the things that we cover ourselves with and all the things we try to project about ourselves. Now, I know I'm not talking to anybody in the room that try to project stuff about themselves, that they're together and they've got it together. And, you know, I know y'all don't do that, right? Nobody does that in this room. I'm sure you don't. You can't. You know, one of the things I've repented of so many times is, Lord, when I first started preaching, how I tried to make everybody thought think that I really knew something. And I was so much a liar because I knew nothing. And those people probably saw right through this idiot, you know, but somehow God gave them grace. Like, you know, he thinks he's, he's acting like he's a, a, a really experienced preacher and he's got some revelation when I really had nothing. You know, I was just trying to act like I had something. You know, you need to really be willing to to really put all that down and let the Holy Spirit really speak to us and reveal, use us. I'm, I'm thankful for people who have learned how to discern the Holy Spirit and learn how to, 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 we learn how to discern the Holy Spirit inwardly first. That's the most important is the inward because that's how God speaks to us mainly is through that little still small voice. But let me tell you something. If, if you had a still small voice that said, your neighbor's in desperate need, go to them right now, you may question that voice. But if you heard an audible voice of God that says, get up and get to your neighbor now, you would probably, it would probably scare you over there. Right? Do y'all get it? You see, that's an, something outward. But there's a lot of things that God does. See, I always... Let me just say this. I always thought about these, these organs of perception as just being my spiritual senses. Because, you know, the Bible talks about us having, you know, that we have five spiritual senses in our spirit man just like we do in our natural man, right? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Jesus felt, literally, physically felt virtue come out of him when the, he touched the woman with the issue of blood. He, he literally felt something that was happening spiritually. He felt it physically, okay? And he felt it spiritually. So we have these senses, and, but it's not just, I think the thing I want us to see, it's not just spiritual, okay? We can be, begin to learn how to discern things that God's doing with our physical Organs, our eyes, our, our bodies, we can feel things. Feeling is not a bad thing. We've made feeling bad in some ways. I don't want to be run, ruled by my feelings, but if God is doing something, He's touching my body in a certain way that He does whenever He wants to do something, you know, if you will pay attention, God will begin to touch parts of your body and you'll know there's something fixing to happen because every time I have that sensation in my body, God shows up and does something. Are y'all following this? This is not ridiculous. This is the way God designed us. He wants to, he wants to begin to, to use us 
and to be able to discern things, to be able to know what the Spirit of the Lord's doing. Right? He really does. He wants you to feel things inwardly and outwardly. I believe, I've come to believe and come to experience and come to know that it's an inward thing and it's an outward thing. Just like there's an inward anointing, the, the Spirit of God's within you, the anointing's within you, you already have an anointing that abides in you, is what the First John chapter 2 says. But there's also this outward anointing, there's this outward thing that God wants to do. And I think it's vitally important in, in this day we live in to begin to exercise those things, to begin to learn how to move in that. And this is not really stupid spiritual stuff. I mean, you know what I'm saying, charismatic parlor games. Have you anybody ever heard that term? Well, no, y'all ain't heard that, but I have. It's almost like you make things into a game, but I'm not talking about a game, y'all. Yeah, I'm talking about the world we live in. The world we live in, our need to know what God the Father is doing. Jesus only did what the Father, he saw the Father doing. And that seeing what the Father's doing could be something you see like an inward vision or it could be something you're physically looking at at that moment and somehow you know God is on that. God is wanting that to be taken care of. God is doing that and you engage it. You step out. That's how you exercise. That's what you do. You become vulnerable. You become, you, be, you put yourself in a position realizing that you could step into something and know that you're going to fail if, if God's not going to be there outwardly. And like I said, like I, well, am I making sense on this? What I'm trying to do is encourage us. I, I want us to tap in to something that we have already. I want us to learn how to do this thing. I want us to learn how to be believers that are not dulled down because that's how it all starts. You're dulled down. You have no clue when the Spirit starts moving in a group or in, in the grocery store because you're dull. And if you, you see what I'm saying? And so the only way we're going to know is we begin to step out and we begin to exercise and use these things and let the Holy Spirit have His way. All right, I don't think I did so hot on that. Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit's speaking today and He wants the church to hear Him. He's wanting us to know. He wants us to move forward. And, you know, I did, I want to say this one more time. I never finished. I do appreciate people who, for the past few years, didn't quit when it comes to this kind of thing. They didn't give up, they didn't quit. They kept discerning. They kept looking for the Lord, even though it wasn't like a time of high water. It was a time of low spiritual water, but they kept doing it, and they kept doing it. And I promise you, those people like that are going to be people that are going to shine. All righty. Let's stand up, and we're going to end. You know, one of the things the Lord wants to do for all of us is how many people have a hunger in their heart for simplicity? That you just feel like, Lord, I, I just, 
this can't be that complicated. I mean, you're just, I don't know what it is. I even told Becky, Becky, find me an old country house and move me into it. I just want some, I want to get, I want to escape the complexities of everything. I want that simplicity in Christ. Now, that, that's just an outward thing. I would probably hate it, honestly. If she moved me into an old country, I grew up in an old country house. It was very simple. I would probably hate it now, you know, but there's something in me that just yearns for this simplicity in Christ, just getting back to what the Bible says, what, what, is, what it's all about. Forget all this other stuff. I don't want to have to try to carry all this other stuff. I just want to connect with God. I want to do what Jesus, I want to, I really, to me, it's a simple statement. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. That's simplifying your life. Lord, give us the ability to discern what your Holy Spirit's doing. Give us the ability to know. Give us the ability, Lord. And if this message was too complex, I'm so sorry. I'm trying, even that, I'm saying, I got to simplify. This can't be so hard that people can't get it. It just cannot be. Holy Spirit, we ask you right now in the name of Jesus. You're the spirit of truth. You're the spirit of grace. You're the... You're the power of God on the earth. You're the spokesman of God. Lord, we ask you, you said that the Jesus, Paul declared that the Holy Spirit would take what's of the Father and give it to us. Say, Holy Spirit, I need something from the Father. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, Lord. But there's something in me, Lord, that's just not going to rest. I can't rest. In this place, Lord, I've got to have something from you. You know, there's children, there's babies. They learn how to crawl because they have a divine frustration. There's something in it that won't let them. They can't sit still because they feel provoked. And that's what gets them crawling. That's what gets them eating on their own. That's what gets them away from the milk. That's what God wants to do for all of us. Lord, we're asking you today. We really humble ourselves to you, Lord. Lord, we can't make anything happen. Listen, y'all, I am not interested in making zero happen. I ain't trying to, I'm not interested in making a revival happen. I'm not interested in doing any of that. I just have no zero. I have zero desire for that. But I have a huge desire in me to see what the Father's doing and just do that. And however that looks, whatever that, however that manifests, that's all I care about. Lord, we ask you to release that on us. Just let's ask the Lord. Let's just take a minute and ask the Lord to do this. Let's ask Him. Let's ask the Lord. Lord, we we're acknowledging, we're acknowledged to you, Lord, that we have a need, a desperate need of you to help us in this hour. Help us, Lord. Lord, we ask you for that spirit of revelation and spirit of wisdom to fill us, to overflowing. And we just overflow in revelation and wisdom. Lord, show us what simplicity really means, Lord. Not what we think it means. Show us how our lives need to be ordered, Lord. Not how we think our lives should be ordered. 
Lord, help us, Lord. Help, Lord. If you've made mistakes, if you have done things, or if you're, if you're in some kind of sin, okay, you just confess it. Confess it. Just confess to the Lord. If you had to confess to another person, find a trustworthy friend. If you can confess to the Lord and say, Lord, I am committing this sin in my life, and I've been committing it for years. Just tell him. Be honest with him and tell him, I'm sorry I've been doing that. I don't want to do that anymore, but I can't not do it unless you help me, unless you empower me. And I'm asking you to empower me. I want to really have genuine repentance where the Bible says it's, it, it, it's not to be regretted. That we don't have to live with regrets because we've truly turned from something. And you have carried us. You have given us the power to not keep doing it or thinking it, whatever it may be. It's a time right now for us to let Jesus clear things out of our hearts and minds that have maybe have plagued people for years. It's a time. We're in the time of confessing and repenting and allowing God to reconcile things for us and make things right for us. That's what I have seen the Lord doing from, I'm sure it's been going on in my life. I've been confessing like a crazy man. God bringing stuff up to me. Yeah. Some of it, even some of it was hidden from me. But when I began to see it, agreed. Agreed with the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's wrong. That's been wrong. And I don't want to be that anymore. And as we do that, it says the Bible, it says the blood will just cleanse your heart from the evil conscience. And that's not to be regretted. So I want to encourage you, because I do think we're in a time where God's reconciling things. Yeah. Listen, when I say reconcile, don't be afraid of that word, okay? It's not that, like, God the Father, all of a sudden he's on a dang war path, like my mama with the switch. <laughs> it's not that. He's reconciling things in our favor. And so we have stuff. Oh, he's saying, we got to get that out of the way so I can work in your life to favor you, to help you. I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to help you. That's what I'm that's what I'm about is helping people. Just quick, just a just a quick testimony on that for Byron and I years ago when we were young, um went and tried to plant a church in our Yeah. And it was a complete it was a mess. We never we couldn't find jobs. We couldn't we didn't have money. And we were young. We lost a baby there, but um, that's. But what happened was, is we left owing money to the power company, and um, and when we moved back to Charlotte, we got a job miraculously. I just the story is just miraculous. But when we moved back, we borrowed money from a friend to even get us back to Charlotte. Um, and just over the years, we never paid any of that back. And I just, over the years, I just felt like the Holy Spirit would just say, you're going to, you need to deal with that. And uh, recently, it, it just got stronger and stronger. It was like, and so finally, you know, I had to hunt down the address of our friends 
because we're not really in touch with them anymore. And, and then this is the thing, and we wrote a check and sent that out. And then this money that we owed the power company, you know, it's been, y'all, it's been f almost 40 years, okay? And I called the, f the power company. It's a local power company. And I said, hey, I was fully expecting them to, you know, like, I was planning on letting them give it to benevolence or something, you know, because I hadn't, I knew they wouldn't have it. And so I called them and said, hey, I'm Becky Wicker. We left 40 years owing y'all money, and we just want to pay it. And uh, she said, well, wait a minute. She said, what's the name on that account? I says, well, it was under Byron Wicker. She says, wait just a minute. She came back in two minutes and said, you owe $367.14. And it was crazy. It hit me very prophetic because um, I felt like what Byron is saying is like, this is crazy. They didn't have computers back then, you know. But I felt when I hung up, the Lord said to me it was still on the books. And I don't know. There is something in the spirit. I cannot tell you the most joy that came from getting that right. There was a release. And I do feel like God is reconciling things. Now, I will tell you, too, he's reconciling on the good side, too. I believe that was totally so that the Lord can bless us. There was something held up in the spirit realm. That's all it's about. $367 and some, 368 and some odd. But I just feel like that, too, what I'm hearing this morning is, Things can make us dull of hearing. And God really wants us to be kingdom people that are hearing and walking. And we can't do it without being in the Word for the Holy Spirit to use that, to breathe on it. You know, that's a simple, basic thing. But there's also this thing of getting things right. And that's, you know, I'm a grace girl, okay, down the line. But grace will lead us to repentance, too. And it's for our good. It's for us basking in the glory. Like, Timmy, I just can't tell you. I just wept over that. There was just something that broke in the spirit realm that day. So, amen. Amen. Ooh, I don't know whether you sense that, that pulling, right? It's a tagging. You know, when Byron was talking about the, the woman with the issue of blood, you know, how she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, right? And Jesus felt power come out of it, right? Like he literally felt that. You know, I was sitting there talking to the Holy Spirit about that. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, you know, there is a connection that happens with our hunger. Because she was desperate and she was hungry. You know what I mean? She had exhausted everything possible. Like he says that, exhausted everything. And when she grabbed that hem of the garment, she felt, Jesus felt the power. And I know she felt it herself because she went ahead because she thought she was in trouble, you know. And, and I felt like that is an invitation from the Lord for us. You know what I mean? There's a connection that happens when we are hungry and we pull on the Lord on that part. And having his resurrection power, having his grace, having his mercy imparted into us you know what i'm saying and the other part that i reminded to was you know 
when he died on the cross, right, it was not, an, it was not like he was exchanging a life. He was creating a new life. He was not exchanging a life. He was creating a new life. So that that way when we say yes to him, because we in that moment where the Holy Spirit convicts us, and we said we need you, Jesus, immediately become a new creation. There's a pulling that happens, like from his impartation to us. You know what I'm saying? He imputes that to us. A new being, a new creation, a new relationship, a new grace, if that makes sense. I wasn't trying to preach, but it just talked to my heart, and I felt like it's, it's just something that the Lord wants us to respond to. You know? The Lord wants us to respond to that. I'm not even saying that it has to have happen this particular time. It could be when you go home driving. It could be whenever you're in the shower. I don't know. But I felt like there's an invitation from the Holy Spirit on that part. You know? So I just felt like we need to pull on that throughout the week. Pull on that for the rest of your life. But just pull on that part. You know? And the Father is more than happy to respond. Amen? So the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Go with His peace. And we all said, amen. And we can have the ministry team come up. If you need more prayer, please avail yourself of them. So come up, ministry spirit.